search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome everyone to episode 178 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the most motivational. <laughs> I'm just still you can't do it. No, I can't do it. You can't do it because it's the bars set because I'm so right, flawless. We'll, we'll we'll Restart it. You do the motivational part. Three, two, one. Welcome, BBCs, to episode number 178 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one solidly educational and motivational podcast. <laughs> Take it away, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I wanted to share a funny story about um, one of my gaming. I love gaming experiences. And uh, I was playing with a few mates, Valorant. Okay. Okay. So, so these... <laughs> it's good to distinguish between League of Legends and general gaming. Yeah. Because League of Legends is the sport. Now we're in fun mode. We're in fun mode, right? So it's very casual. Just a few friends. They said, Curtis, I want to play Fortnite. I mean, Fortnite. <laughs> Valorant. It's sorry. funny how you... Yeah, subconsciously. I'm the, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I don't know anything really about Valorant. I know it's a shooter. I don't know what any of the heroes would ever do in it. And so, so the heroes like League. Is it like you're playing? You like, have like abilities. You have like four abilities. No, but are you like playing like Darius and like? Uh, or are they different type? They're of more like different names, different characters. I'll be honest. I really don't. I literally played no. like one character, so okay. I can't comment. I don't know. Which I didn't even know what was, was going on. Which character? I played Sage. This person has like a like cool. a like a wall, like like an Anivia W, and a heal, kind of like a Milio heal type thing, um, and then has a resurrect. I found the resurrect useless because you got to like go over a body to resurrect someone in the middle of a battlefield. Yeah, like if it depends where they die, I guess. Yeah. Right? Okay. Anyway, like if they die behind a wall or something. Yeah, that'd be yeah. alright. Yeah. Um, but usually that's not going to. It's happen. not practical. Yeah. <laughs> it's not practical. If they kill them, they're just going to just rush. But it, honest, right? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking okay. about. Yeah. Right? I could be delusional. Yeah. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Someone in the comments would be like, "Curtis, the resurrect is the broken best. thing." Yeah. <laughs> there probably is. And I just found it like. Okay, so so you know we talk a lot of, we, we talk a lot about people who come to league from other games. It almost felt like because I'm going in the other direction. We're coming from league, hardcore league player, all about process, all about intensity, rank, getting into the details, getting into the details. And this is it's so because I, I have like believe it or not, I haven't played a casual like PC multiplayer game in a very long time like the last time is probably when we casually played PUBG Battlegrounds probably in 2017 years ago yeah. we're talking years ago right so I haven't casually played a game online on PC in a long time and so I'm going in and it's just it was such an interesting experience from a perspective of I now know what when people come from that casual gaming background what they it would be such a shock to play a game like League and to hear the things that we talk about. The whole... And even just like the the, the, the actual experience of playing a first-person shooter of Valorant comparatively to a MOBA of League in the sense that you, it's just very forgiving. Like I can die in a round. I'll have to eco one round so not buy any guns. And then the next round I have money and then I can buy a gun again. This is like... And I can, it's, I find it very easy to switch off. Like you have so much downtime, like you die and sure you can give information, but there's only so much information you can give. Like you, you die, you say, all right, there's three people there. There's a guy in that corner and then boom, hands off the keyboard. Uh, there's nothing like, what else do I really, I mean, I guess I can observe and look at tendencies and stuff about like, what are they doing? 
And maybe I just don't have the mental capacity to do that. I'm just saying from like a player experience coming from league where it's on, like you're really on, you're on all the time to playing Valorant and how forgiving Valorant was as a game. It was just so jarring. I just had a very, very interesting experience. And now, you know, when people come into my program or when people come from another game to League, League being their, their, their first MOBA and they're, they're a casual gamer and League's their first serious game, I think I... I, I um. There's a new level of respect that I think they've gained from me. Because it's so normal for us, isn't it's it? It's so normal. Tempo, we don't realize. speed, death, snowball, end of review. It's pretty brutal. We don't realize, Nathan, how it's shocking. shocking our mm. little bubble is here. Like mm. what we've got here. Like mm. our our methodology of teaching, mm. the way we view games in general. Mm. Like casual gaming is just... I, it doesn't actually feel like League's a game to me anymore in a, in a weird way. Like when I sit down and I play my three block... I do not have any of the same emotions or mental state than I do when I play casually a, a casual game of any other video game I play. Just for me personally, I'm not, again, this could be completely different than everyone else. I'm just saying in my own I mean, obviously experience. there's an element of skill and high level to Valorant, right? And I'm, I'm not saying that you cannot achieve that in Valorant. I'm, just, I'm talking about this as a casual gaming mm, experience mm. and contrasting a casual gaming experience to that of taking a game seriously. seriously. So not just it's, League, just any... Well, I mean, League's probably, again, the only right. stream So there's multiple things, layers yeah. there, right? There's, yeah. the, there's the taking a game seriously versus not taking a game seriously. And then there's an FPS versus a MOBA. I think I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, you know, you know, bunching them together there. But yeah, I just think that it's a newfound respect for me. Someone, especially who they're a casual player taking League seriously, taking a game seriously. Holy moly, Nathan. It's just a different... The mindset shift must be out of this world. Yeah, it's a very good point, isn't it? Even if you come from maybe a, a sporting background and, you know, you played casual games for a long time and then, you know, you stumble upon our podcast or educational content, even though you probably know a lot of the principles, you're like, oh, wow, you can apply that to league. They'll probably we, still be Nathan, very shocking. we are so out of touch. We, we are, don't even, we? we don't, I don't even think we, you don't even probably know what it feels like to play a game casually. You don't, you wouldn't even know what that experience mm. feels like anymore. Mm. You would have forgotten it so long ago. Like you've been so in your little bubble and our little bubble of just playing league seriously and taking it. And that's like the only thing we do. It's just, I think we really forget that there is a whole nother world out there of people that just play games casually after work and they use it as a form of relaxation, right? Check out, don't think. And I'm just saying, it's just, a, it is, it was a very, a very interesting experience nonetheless. So yeah, newfound respect. I actually had an observation now that you bring that up this week. Did you see that whole news about the GTA 6 trailer get released? No. Uh, it like broke viewership records, dude. Like Why is the, that? the trailer, like the, the one and a half minute trailer. Hmm. I think it got like 100 million views in 24 hours, which I think is like the YouTube record for like right. something that's like a. I can't remember. It's just hit some record. Okay. It's insane. Just from a gaming, like how big the gaming, gaming industry is. Yeah, it's. It's massive. Massive. Again, you can't... It's just a different world. We don't even know. It's pretty crazy, It's dude. massive. Everyone plays games. In some, whether yeah. it's a mobile game on their phone, right? Yeah. Or a Nintendo Switch or a whatever the hell it is. It's just people are playing games everywhere, yeah. man. Casual gaming. I mean, I know that, but you know, GTA is probably still a bit more for the hardcore audience, would you say? I mean, okay. Oh, again, I when, when, so. No, I wouldn't say hardcore. I would say... You've got levels. You've got like when you talk about like playing Candy Crush on your phone. Can you even play G GTA seriously? Like, is that such a thing? I didn't even know there was a thing. 
There's no comp- what's the competition? Oh, yeah, no, 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 sorry. No, you're right. But I'm yeah. talking about people that, like, they spend a lot of time playing games. Right, they get hardcore. really into it. Yeah, so uh, the definition of hardcore is a competitive game. I'm talking about people that would spend... Obsessed you know, over yeah, it. Yeah, like, right. 10 hours plus a day playing games. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. Yeah, that's crazy. I still don't know how you can do that. Like, because you don't have that interaction. Maybe maybe there is an... I don't, is there a multiplayer function on GTA? Yeah, yeah, GTA Five was famous oh. because you could play with your friends and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why it's really wow, cool. Wow, that, that's how old I am. I, I didn't even play GTA Five. I played San Andreas. That was the last one yeah. when I was a kid. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. All right, so... um. You want to kick it off with your topic? Oh, yep. All right, let's get into some League of Legends here, Curtis. League of Legends well, podcast. Well, technically League of Legends, but we're going to start actually with chess here, Curtis. Oh, yeah, we're not even talking about League on a League podcast. We'll try and bring it back to League, Curtis. Okay. People are going to be checking out already. So this one here is from Gotham Chess. He like He's really passionate. About, yeah, we've, we've actually talked about a tweet of his on a podcast before. Yeah. He's, I think he teaches chess. He's very into trying to get people excited about chess, sort of similar to what we do here mm. for League of Legends. And he really focuses on thinking about how the people can get better and improve at it. So here's a tweet from him. Uh, He says, The most important tip to improve your chess, your ELO slash rating is a range. If you are 1,200, your level might fluctuate between an 1,100 and a 1,300 on most days. Some people have bigger variants. On their best days, they're incredible. But on bad days, they lose 200 to 300 points. Keep working on your game. Do not chase a crazy ceiling. Instead, raise the floor of your range. We can apply it to League of Legends, Curtis. I literally made a video on this for my MLA. Really? Yesterday. Whoa, what a coincidence. And I call it the uh, the elongated bell curve players. Mm. Okay? So there's actually, it's an archetype. We, you know, we love our archetypes of players. So I can pinpoint it now pretty clearly. There's a few red flags, okay? First red flag or a characteristic of one of these type of players is that they have massive swings in LP. That's the first one. They go up from D- Diamond 3 to Emerald 4, like that to that wow. extreme. Like, like massive that, that have massive swings, right? They also feel like they are better than their opposition. That's tr- typically the quote that you hear from these people. I feel like I'm better than these people. I feel like I can beat these. I've, they have this feeling that they're better than these people. Um... And there was, there was one more characteristic, I can't remember, but they were the main two. There's one more character, I'll have to re- try and remember that one. Now, basically, these are the players that have... Oh, yeah, the third one was that they have very inconsistent fundamentals. And that's the main pillar yes. of these sorts of players. They're, they're fundamentals, specifically, actually, there's actually two specific fundamentals, because fundamentals are very broad. Resets is the first one that they're typically really quite... Uh, uh, iffy on and then the second one is warding and leaning so from a right, which is like a from a mid-laners perspective yeah. but is kind of like a, a, a byproduct or lack of um, threat assessment or even valuing their life so let's just keep it simple though let's just say threat assessment and then resets those two things so what you'll see with these sorts of players when they bring in a review typically they will play a game and they will get either one or two things happen they they play poor fundamentally, get away with it because the jungler or something doesn't, they don't get ganked or whatever. And then they pop off in mid-game team fights so they, they fight usually quite well and then they can win that game. Or their, their fundamentals get punished. They do get ganked inevitably or they, their fundament, they get locked in lane, they miss a reset, they get into disastrous situations and then they lose the game. Or there is a third one where they, they go down 0-3 but then they outplay their way through it and win the game anyway. So because, and, the, and this is the reason why 
by the way, they have massive swings. There's two contributing factors to that. Number one, there is just an element of like luck. Like you can just, some games, you're just not going to get punished from the enemy jungler. That's just going to happen. The stars are going to align. The jungler doesn't want to come mid. They're full clearing jungler, whatever, right? Or you're not versing a gang setup or into uh, laner, whatever. Um, the second one is, um, uh, I completely lost my train of thought there, sorry. But uh, essentially, yes, they have very, very inconsistent. Oh yeah, sorry. And then what happens when they do get punished for their fundamentals, let's say they die in the early game, that happens multiple games in a row, they lose their mind because then they feel like, you know what I mean? Like I'm on a loss, I'm, uh, my junglers, the junglers on the enemy team are better. I'm playing like shit. They beat themselves up. They lo- this, The stage four stuff comes into play. In and their then head. that's kind of like a, a kicker and that pushes them down even further. Uh, yes. And so, but when they're playing on super high confidence, they're taking better quality trades. They can overcome the poor fundamentals in a way, or they can make up the difference in the mid to late game because they're high confidence. And then again, that gives them that swing. So that's essentially the the main contributing factors mm. to that. And they're very, very obvious. And by, by the way, they're the sorts of players that will get the most results or some of the pretty most insane results um, possible. They're, if they come in on their bottom side of the, say they come into the MLA as an Emerald 4 player. They have huge swings. Huge swings. Yeah. They already can team fight at a Diamond 3, Diamond yeah. 2 level. If we can bolster up their fundamentals, they can actually skyrocket all the way up from like high discipline. Diamond. Yeah, I have that with junglers that good, good mechanically, but there's the swings would be... I haven't really thought about it that much, but just from my observations is forcing ganks, compensating for pings, playing like kills, flipping objectives. Those are probably the four things what would I'd see for people that are swingy, really big swingy type of uh, players. They get really flustered by their teammates' pings as a jungler because when you see you think pings, jungler's got to be there, got to help. Mm. I'm not, not getting my farm, not getting my camps, and I'm going to ruin the game on this bad gank. So that's the games explodes in those type of situations, compensating for pings. Do they climb fast if you fix those problems? Typically, um, or not? Yeah, I'll say so as well. Yeah, given the, those junglers that have good mechanics, they have really big against stage four issues, all that sort of stuff. Discipline, good, fun, polish up fundamentals. Yeah, this is what makes a good gank. This is what make a, makes a bad gank. You actually don't have to do dragon on spawn. You can actually you know set it up or you can jungle track in a way that you know this is a free dragon or it's not then bam good to go yep yeah and i think it's actually very important that we all understand that your elo is a kind of has that range everyone's got a range so you started off with a really extreme example i'm saying an elongated bell curve that's a problem when it's really really large that's not good Hmm. but everyone has a range range, and that's healthy and that's important like you're not going to be static at a rank and you're going to be fluctuating a little bit that's perfectly normal so i visualize it as like a 200 lp is that fair range for like maybe nowadays with the lp games yeah 200 lp yeah yeah i would say so yep maybe before would be in 100 lp maybe before yeah Maybe like 125. I could see someone being like, they're like... Maybe even up to 250, honestly. 250? It could be a 250, right, 250. Depending range. on, again, like the average player. Like between 250 and 200-ish, Yeah, I would say. So going to the Gotham chess, talking about how it's like, you, could, you might be like, well, how is this useful for improvement? You're not trying to get from... Your mindset shouldn't be, how do I get from Platinum 4 to like Platinum 3 or Platinum 4 to Platinum 2? Because that's just going to be... You're basically in your range. You need to figure out, how do I get from becoming a Platinum 4 player? What is a Platinum 1 player? Emerald 4. You got to think about your improvement in terms of like... Again, not like sneaking a little bit of LP here and there. You got to be like, okay, I actually need to improve to this type of level. It's really a really practical, pragmatic way we can view this thing, right? Is you're doing one of two things in League. 
you're either learning new skills, you're, you're charting uncharted territory, learning new things, new concepts, new chant, whatever the hell it is, right? Or you're brushing up on the consistency of the basics, things that you, you, you have done before and you know, you know exist. That's it. That's basically, as, as an oversimplification, that's really what's happening. At least, and, that, and I'm speaking from experience in mid lane. Mm. Again, I'll get, let's use an example. Let's take a Emerald 2 player. Actually, I want to use more uh, more specific. I want to talk about Diamond 2 because there's that Diamond 2 range, right? There's If you're trying to get to Master Tier, there's two, you know, again, an oversimplified approach, two ways you can get to Master. We can make your fundamentals really clean, really great first eight minutes, great matchup understanding, nothing complicated, really just clean reference points, just really simple shit and just get, you can actually get to Master Tier that way. Alternatively, you can be maybe not have the most sophisticated early game in terms of matchup understanding and stuff, but we just get we 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 go deep on wink on assessment. We go deep on stuff that you don't know, like wink on assessment, understanding your role holistically in a game, like taking control of the mid game, tightening up lane assignments, like more advanced, more mid game oriented things, and that can also push you to master tier. Some of that stuff you may not even have thought about before, and these are new uncharted territory, new but that can push you up. If you want to go that way. So typically when I'm working with a client, I'm trying to gauge what makes the most sense for this person. Where are their largest weaknesses where I can give them a learning objective that's going to bolster them up. That's going to kind of make them a more well-rounded player. So, um, and that's where I feel like as a coach, you've got to be very specific about how you want to, like how you want, what sort of advice you want to give. Because as a coach, you can give so much advice. That's going to give, they're all going to give them results in a way, I feel like. But it's like, what is the most efficient? What's the most important long, long-term that's going to set them up, you know what I mean? And if they have that, they, they know a lot, but they, they're just inconsistent with the fundamentals, that makes the most sense. But, but vice versa, they can have a great clean early game, but then they fuck up their mid game. All right, we need to go deep on the mid game. We need to bolster up your understanding of win cons and stuff, you know? So um, yeah, that's kind of like the way I view it. So the new skills, yeah. So you need these new skills. So you got new knowledge. You got to you got to pursue new knowledge rather than maybe someone's like again. I'm using the example of plat four, plat three. They're in that that range. Yeah, they're gonna need some new knowledge potentially, potentially. to level up to an emerald four. Because player. this is the thing. That, or it's polishing up the basics that they already know. Because this is my pet peeve, Nathan. People think they they know a lot more than they do. Specifically, in terms of they think that they're capable of executing on a lot more. Yeah, than they well, do. that's I would say that's what it is. That's yeah, what it is. Like yeah. they 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 think that because they get a good reset to like in two games in a row, they do their resets well two games in a row. They think they've nailed it. They think yeah. they've done it. They think that like I have great fundamentals. Like I fucking nailed it. I can yeah. like I can move on to all this other yeah. shit. That's just people are so we're so quick to move on and think yeah, that we I, I disrespect have, the fundamentals i have some clients they get really confused like we've been working on let's say hitting a certain ability or using ability some way and we do like a review just like one or two two days and we're like okay uh yeah that's, that's looking much better good work and it's like okay what's next nathan no we're still doing this again and again until you make sure that this is incredible because it's using the same ability. There's not, I'm really making sure we're going to polish up this first. People love to move on. I agree. They think that, they think that league is like a, like maths. It's like, okay, I know my four times tables. Now I'm going to learn my five times times tables. Remember a big part of league in your journey. We've talked about this before is you go backwards always on fun. You start, okay. I'm not jungle tracking. Suddenly I used to be really good at jungle tracking. You can go sloppy on the fundamentals. You need to revisit. You have to constantly go back to old re revisit old learning objectives. We talk a lot about. 
Yeah, there's that complete disrespect for the muscle memory aspects of the game. They think that they need to do something like crazy or learn new things. And then look, some, to be fair, there are those people that exist. More often than not, though, it's the inconsistency of the basics that let people down. And What's again, what, that's what league is, though, Curtis. At the end of the day, even yep. for the highest elo, yep. doing all the basics consistently well over a long period of time. Yep, hundred percent. You could break down your games, and you could literally write it. You could like list out every single principle and basic you've done to execute this game. So could I in my game? I made it. I versed you the other day. I made a be- just really basic, like really basic end of review death. Mm. Like this makes no sense. My team is basing on bot side. It makes no sense for me to pressure right now. Boom! I die. I'm screwed. And like it's like there's nothing. It's not, that's not. A complicated concept. It's not. You don't have fancy. new knowledge. I don't have new knowledge. I've I've, I've died here <laughs> before, before many times. Many times. Yeah. I made this. Many, I, I roast clients all the time for this death. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am that person. And, and but it doesn't yeah, surprise me. I mean, no. like, okay, cool. Yep. Welcome to League of Legends. <laughs> That's it. Mental stack overload or yeah. you with unfocus for a split second. Whatever bam. the reason it is. Okay, boom. I've got to get my shit together. Move on. That's it. There's no grand conspiracy. There's no crazy thing that I need to unlock to win these games. It's just That's it. But it's hard. People people don't want that answer because it's not sexy. Mm. It's not, you know, it's It's got to be some boring. crazy answer. It's boring. So yeah, the Gotham Chess tweet, I think was really important for people just to sort of, uh, you know, let's say if you're uh, Emerald 4 and you're suddenly Emerald 3, you're like, yeah, great. Like I'm improving. That might just be your range. Like maybe you're actually Emerald 4, Plat 1, you're just Emerald 3. You actually haven't actually gotten better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I find- tricky. You get tricked. You get tricked. And again, I find that people always like trying to, just, just this squeezing a bit of LP, but again, don't think about that because you think you're not actually going to be better. You need to think big jumps. Yeah, you need to think. How long. do I think the the 600 LP range jump? That's so good. I love that. It's so important. I think that's such an important message. That's something we really got to push in the season 2024, uh, tw- season 14 uh, rank, rank guide. guide. Yeah. We got to really drill that home. I think that's really okay, important. You, think you find that you get a lot. Is that important? like I think like just it's just a message that key message that we need to talk about yeah. more. It's not about inching that, out a little bit of LP yeah. or doing some gimmick in a, in a in champ select or dodging whatever it's about genuinely developing skills because i get i get this you probably have this as well with the master tier clients master tier one lp and diamond one and like they're bouncing and they say nathan demote doesn't me matter thing. dude i don't care about that but that's your range and you're not going to be properly a master tier player until you get in the 200 lp bracket and I hear it, and the reason, yeah, I, I love this topic is because I get it all the time. Curtis, I've I've lost so many games. I was this rank, and now I'm this rank. And what I always say is the same boring fucking thing, which is, you got to accept your level of play, and that was always your level of play. This is always, you know, this was always your level of play. But though, Curtis, it's big, it's emotional because especially the ones like Master to D, you're a Diamond One. That's a you're in a different bracket, right, in your head. Yeah. So this is where the rank systems fucks Screws people a lot. You. Instead of just having an MMR based, it's emotional. System. It's very emotional. It's like D four to Emerald One. It's Different. like your friends are like, oh God, the players are so you're much a diamond worse, player. So yeah. yeah, you're a diamond player or you're an emerald player because you're now brackets in in emerald four. Yeah. But you're not really, right? You're just kind of pigeonholed. Like, it's, it's a big like a category. Deal. You're a diamond player or an or emerald, emerald player. player. But it's like basically, basically <laughs> the same thing. Like diamond four, emerald one, you know? Because the one, the example that this brought to mind was, yeah, I have someone in, in Salto, he, he's going from gold one to plat four and he's making a big deal yeah, of it. And I'm saying, because matter. again, it's a big deal. You're gold or you're platinum. But no, I mean, look, it is, I, I get it, right? It is, it is a big deal, like emotionally. Yeah. And it's cool. Uh, and I don't want to discredit that. I think we all play for the rank in a way, right? Like, especially when I first played, it was so exciting to get diamond and stuff like that. I get that. I totally get that. But you got to, tr- you got to remind yourself that we're talking basically little to no difference when it comes to 
50, you're playing 100 more LP. range. You're playing that with a similar same players. That 200 LP range. That yes, Dolphin you're in that range. Yes. That's correct. That's a good way to frame it. Yeah. I think it's a healthy way to frame it. Yeah. Because people start losing it's a their tool minds. Kit. It actually is a toolkit to mm. prevent you from losing your mind. It's like, oh, yeah, I lost 100 LP today. I gained 200 LP. It's all the same. I'm basically at the same level of play. I haven't made any giant breakthroughs here. I'm just playing in my range. Rather than thinking suddenly I'm now a gold level player or a platinum level player right. tomorrow. Yep. Moving on. All right. So I saw this on Twitter. Um, and I thought it'd be an interesting topic to talk about in terms of there's a lot of controversy at the moment about balancing champions for high elo versus low elo, right? And so this tweet I saw, which was essentially, I love high elo, complaining about balance being skewed for low elo. You do know you're only literally 3% of the player base, right? And, you know, referring to diamond four and above being the top 3%, whatever, right? Now, the champion that was getting the most heat at the moment was actually Zed. And so this leads into another tweet I saw, which was essentially Weeboo Slayer, is a you know Zed very renowned Zed OTP talking about how you know uh, reacting essentially to Riot talking about how Zed is being kept weaker um, due to player frustration and now a lot of the Hyalu community get quite upset about this sort of stuff because in their mind it's like well if we all play the champions correctly and we all play the game to the the way it's meant to be played then there should be no problems of balance you know the low elo player should just figure it out like the mm. we shouldn't be we shouldn't be basing our game around playing the game suboptimally so on so forth now the i want to kind of quickly read this this one out as well and then we'll kind of go from there so this one said it's just the sad reality of how low elo dictates balance for more experienced players high ban rate in low elo and low ban rate in high elo equals skill issue Players just don't want to learn how to play against the champion. I had this talk before about how Mundo being a dogshit champion against decent players and could also mention how Briar is starting to suffer from this because people perma loose in low elo when the champion is not even good um, in her attended bruiser build in high elo ranks, blah, 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 blah. Now, I will say, I, 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 in my experience, the high elo community is very, very detached from what it what does a low elo what is a low elo player's problem? What is it what are their problems with these champions? Why what is it like why does Riot feel the need to make these changes? When you actually work with a low elo client, a genuine bronze or a genuine silver, you will straight away realize how important it is that Riot make these adjustments to the champions in order to cater for the lower elo. Base. I guess it's the question of what are the skills that a new player coming to the game needs to be learning? What's important? Like, do they need to be learning how to full combo with like play insane combos with like Zed and all that sort of stuff? Right. You know, to, like, you know how we talk about the mental stack? Okay. Is that realistic for a new player to be learning that aspect of the high elo players think that you mm. should be learning how to combo and just be insane with like your ZZ versus, okay, how do I just sort of really get the understanding of experience and gold and how fights sort of work? And a great example that I, I like to reference is the Alawi top example mm. where people struggle to play against Alawi because they don't have that skill to understand that fights don't have to start and then instantly end. There's a re-engaged, you can burn allow his ult or kite. The way that low new players of the game or loyal play, players think and how they start playing the game is uh, one side, me, come together, smash. 
whoever has better stats, items, levels. Everyone hits all their abilities. Yeah. We all do. I'll do press my four abilities. You press your four abilities. We all get hit by every ability. Everyone's standing still. Who wins? That's how they initially, everyone fights. That's how every team fight is. There's no disengage. There's no re-engage. No fog of war usage. There's no X factor. There's no thinking about dodging abilities. That is standard. Uh, in and that's all they're capable of, really, because start, their mental yeah. stack is so over. Because people's like, "Well, Nathan Curtis, then they just suck." But my question will be: Is it realistic for them to be able to learn how to fight that way? When think about how complicated again, highly players don't understand how much we're doing in fights. Damage numbers, abil- just everyone's anticipation abilities. cooldowns, anticipation cooldowns. You have no idea have how no much idea. you know about the game. It's the assumed knowledge that pisses me off. Yes. This is the thing. Hilo players don't know what they know. They 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 have a complete and utter disrespect for the amount of muscle memory that they've developed over time. They have a disrespect for the game in general. Yeah, they have no idea. Like, That's why you hear people no say idea. Diamond 1 is low, like Piss right. low or Shitters and like Master Tier. When, again, going going back to the screenshot, let's just say, because Master Tier players have a bad rap uh, in the Hilo community. Mm. Top zero point five percent of the player base. And then, Pretty crazy they're, they're known as like, really bad players. Like, it's like, oh, it's a in the Hilo community, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just this whole... And the, the thing that I wanted to really riff on here was players just don't want to learn how to play against a champion. That is not the case whatsoever. I've never... I've never found that to really be the case in my in the, with the clients that I work with. It's not that they don't want to learn. It's this they're so overwhelmed. That's exactly right. It's as simple as it is. It's, 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 there's so much there. They don't even know where to start. They don't even know what's important. They don't know where to direct their attention. They're genuinely trying. Like there are people that are genuinely trying day in, day out to climb to platinum or to gold, whatever. And it's the hardest thing in the world for them. And and we just kind of take it for granted. If you've been playing the game for 10 years, how much assumed knowledge, how much muscle memory have you you've really developed? And and why I'm really passionate about this is that. You know, let's say, for example, you know, a lot of these champions, okay, like, again, it, it, League would be quite an easy game to to balance for the higher community if every champion was complex. If every champion had, like, a lot of complexity and had a lot of skill shots you needed to hit, it would be an mm-hmm. even playing field, right? Because the all, the entire lower ELO community would all be really bad at all the champions, They have right? to learn that they, stuff. You know what I mean? They would yeah, have, they have to, to learn, learn that to stuff. that way. They have to learn how to fight in that but, way. But that's yeah. not the way the game is designed. No. There are complex champions and there are simple champions. champions. Yeah. When you're in a world where there's simple champions and complex champions, the reality is that, these, the, especially the simple champions and the complex champions, they're going to be difficult to balance with it's both. It's dangerous. I think it's impossible, It's right? basically impossible. impossible. There, there, is not, there, yeah. are, there are going to be champions like that of Zed, um, like that of Nefiri, whatever that that are that are one or the other, right? They they're either going to be too stat checky or not enough. And these are champions that we see this in pro play. You were mentioning before Annie, right? Annie is one of those champions that can randomly just with a few numbers shift when their numbers get out of control can instantly uh, come into pro play and then but then completely explode in low elo, vice versa. We even saw that back in the day with Malzahar. Remember back in the day, Crown in was season. Oh, nine yeah, or whatever wow. it was yeah. who played Malzahar on oh, the wow. world stage as mm. simple as hell champion mm. just because the numbers were really good and the meta suited it which when you think about it should never really even be possible because the champion should fundamentally be so it should have so much counterplay in low wheel but in reality if it's ever at that point it's pretty bloody broken if you think about it and it was at that time Malzahar was incredibly strong so my point being is that like I think that the high community should just really not 
they need to change. Actually, before you even talk about it, you should actually try and have a conversation or even look at the gameplay or even just talk to someone that is genuinely in silver, someone that's genuinely in gold, and actually look at their view of the game, look at their gameplay, look at what they're struggling with, and then tell me again that we shouldn't be balancing around this ELO bracket. We have to balance and take you into account for it and, and it can't be any other way and it's if anything it's healthy that it's this way because you want to you want to gradually accustom a player to league you don't want the whole game to be super complex like dota i feel like dota in a way is like zero to 100 yeah you want that slow gradual kind of kind of incremental growth anyway yeah i'm sure it's a it's a conversation that they right has with the balance team i mean we've talked to prox on this yeah they, they literally have, said that they have different uh tiers they have four is it four different categories of with balance and they're like color coded on the patch notes yeah. or something but you have like pro play you know yeah. beginner Leap, whatever. or like that so they they do consider this and they know they they've basically had to find out that they and have there's to people are looking for a utopia and i get it i can understand that if you're a high yellow otp of one of these champions but mm-hmm. in a way if you're you're, if you're getting angry over your champion not being the most viable in the in challenger, dude, you know, get off your high horse. At the end of the day, do you want the world to revolt just because you play this one champion? You want to get to challenge. Like challenger shouldn't be about that. Challenger shouldn't be about every champion is equal. Like the reality is that meta really comes into play. Balance does come into play, and you either want to play the game or not play the game. That's like my two cents it, on the situation. I agree. I think it has to be that. It way. has to be League that. League is too complex. Way too complicated. And, and the the high elo community, when they talk about this, they have these opinions. They're living in this utopia all this about utopia. them world, which is not real. And it will severely hurt the overall uh, new players coming in, learning the game. And look, there and are the intuitive ways we can do this. I, I like Weebu Slayer said something about how we should increase the damage on the triple shuriken combo, right? Which would be a great buff to the high elo Z community, and maybe not so much to the low it because no one in in silver or they gold is that. landing a triple shuriken combo. It's yeah. not going to happen, right? So I, I understand. I think there are ways we can do that, and I and I think right are doing that. But my point here that I want to raise is I just think. You know, the higher elite community needs to be a lot more introspective about where are these opinions coming from and actually try and put themselves in the shoes of the lower elo community. And I think that the amount of delusion you see, especially on Twitter around with the higher elo community is unbelievable. And now us being exposed to that below goal, what we've seen is just, it's so, so wrong. Mm. It's just wrong mm. in every way, shape or form. So disappointing and I hope it really changes. I think we've probably got a long way to go. Again, it all ties back to the bigger picture of the disrespect for gaming, uh, League of Legends, muscle memory. muscle memory, and the amount of the game highly players have no idea how much they know. And this, that's the reason, exact reason why, going back to this post here, you know. Yeah. Uh, Masters here is a top 0.5% of the player base and Diamond's a top 3%. And Diamond 4, again, and, and what does everyone say? A Diamond 4 player would be viewed as not good at the game to them. But in terms of percentages, Crazy. if you're top 3% in any field, you're, you're, you know your shit. Pretty damn good. You know your shit. You're pretty experienced. Now, I want to also refer to this video. I got sent this video in my community. So well, let's just play it and then we'll do a bit of, we'll just go back and we can kind of talk about what we want to talk about. So I remember a period of my life where I was deep into League of Legends and I would always play with one of my cousins. Hung and I are pretty damn good at League of Legends yeah. and we always get paired up with guys who are kind of shitty. When they get the basic things wrong, Hung and I unleash. What the hell? Did you guys only learn how to play today? Why did you even choose that lane if you don't know how to play that lane? Some people will be like, oh no, I'm just trying to try out some new characters, bro. <laughs> we're like, nah, dude, you're so shit of it. You should never play again. We were so 
angry. And the, the amount of hate that came out of me was unreal. The reason why I bring this up as an example is when someone comments something nasty, it's more of a reflection of what's going on in their internal 100%. world. So what the hell was going on in my internal world for me to give 12-year-old shit on a game? I wanted to feel like superior maybe. Like, I wanted to win. I think that's very natural for especially teenage boys when they're... No, I was in my early 20s. Right, so drunk, I'd say mid-20s. Got the, got the, got a little bit. <laughs> no, but the thing that I want to truly understand yeah. is when people say that the negativity that people put out is often a reflection of the negativity that's going yeah. on in their life. That's right. That was when I wasn't achieving much success in my life. I didn't have a partner, didn't have many friends. So my negative reaction was because I had nothing else going for me in my life. And the only place I could get validation that I was doing life well was when at the end of the 45 minutes of the game, it said victory. Because I wasn't getting victory anywhere else in my life. So I think when you get hate in life in general, understand that negativity comes from negativity. That's right. They are obviously in a negative place, in a dark place, and usually a shitty place. That's why shitty things are coming out of their mouths. If you can see the full picture, you'll take that comment with a grain of salt. That's, right. That's really interesting. I haven't really heard that take in that way. Like mm. a lot of people would generally say, even that the the other guy was like, you know, assuming what he was going to say, he said, uh, because, you know, your life situation wasn't good. But he said, no, I just wanted to win hmm. because he wasn't winning in any other area of his life. So it's like, you know, we talk about how people's rank is their identity because that's, you know, especially when you're younger, as a kid, you know, it's like, I guess people could be like really good at school, but, you know, that's not everyone. That's not most people, right? You're not in like you're the top, top percent usually. Of, of, well, definitely not for me at least. So winning in league is exceptionally important. If people are taking that away from you, you're going to be extremely angry because you're sabotaging your identity. You're, you're, you're destroying that person's life. Basically. That's why people get so upset and angry because he put it well there. He had nothing else going for him. Yeah, imagine, imagine that. Imagine, again, being in that situation, Nathan, where you've got nothing else going for you. In league is the only thing that you're actually somewhat good at. And you know that you're somewhat good at it. And then someone in your games dies, makes a basic mistake in front of your face and, and gives double buffs, whatever. And you know that the game is way, way harder. Your reaction a lot of the time, especially if you don't have a healthy relation with the game, is going to be like, what? You're just going to lose it. You're going to lose your shit. You're ruining not just this game. You're ruining me. Like, this is my reputation. Exactly right. This is yes. This is my... Confidence. Yeah, this is where my confidence is coming from. Yeah. This is where my everything comes from. Yeah. This is where my, my yeah ego and it's essentially you're you're lowering my value in a way, right? My self worth, and that's fucking dangerous. That's scary shit right there. Yeah, it's important to have empathy, but you got to be aware. This is why getting other things in your life in order is really important. That we talk about, like as simple as you know, sleep, hmm. exercise. Yeah, I will say I do think this is this is one reason. I think this can be one. I, I think it, it is, it is one of the reasons. But I think there's many, right? I think there are people that come from the background of they are successful in everything, mm. right? They, they're great at school. They were good at sport. They were whatever. The heaps heaps of friends, popular, whatever. And then league is one of those things that where they're not good at, right? And then that's that thorn in their side. And if so, and if the, you know if that. You know, when they're losing, like, oh my God, why can't I just be good at this? Like, I, you it know, should be as easy should, as everything it's else. It's just a video yeah. game. It's yeah. just like, it, it, other people are good at it. Why can't I be good at it? And then they, you know what I mean? There can be that that negative kind of focus on wins and losses mm. aspect, or ego attachment, whatever the hell it is in that regard. It could, I believe it can also just come back from straight unawareness and lack of self awareness. Like, I can I just. I think that's probably what is most of the time. It's funny how. 
he assumed it's like 12 year old. It's like, no, he's in his early mid twenties. That's what a lot of the league player base is in their twenties. And they, they do, you know, they're obviously extremely toxic and obviously lots of toxic players out there. Yeah. And, 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 and you still, you still don't have much self-awareness even at your early twenties. No, you know most, I mean? no, no, most <laughs> people in their twenties still have no clue, <laughs> including us. That's right. We're having a crack. We're chipping having away. I mean, especially when we were 20, I feel like 2021, 20, we yeah. were barely scraping the surface, honestly. Yeah. Still just figuring shit out. And I think that, um, you know, this whole, I love that when we'd make the, I love it when this video is talking about me as an individual conflating that with me on the rift, you know, and, and my name, like on the, and like in the scoreboard, I, I love that because it's so real. I think we've all been there. If you're taking league seriously at, you know, at any point in your life, you've probably at one point in time felt that you've connected your self-worth at an individual level. It's to league is my rift. identity. And I feel like me and you have 100% both been there, right? That's, that's my comfort zone, dude. I've and, been there many times. And that's brutal. I, yeah. I can think back in, in my life when I was, at, you know, ending school and university, I was basically had nothing else going on in, in the sense that like league was the only thing that I was actually passionate about. Mm. That was for me. That was the only thing that genuinely, in, like I was like, okay, I don't give a shit about anything else in my life. This is the only thing that I care about. And if I'm losing in this, and that's why I feel like I was toxic. I was toxic because I had no other, like if someone's ruining my gaming experience and I had, and I don't give a shit about anything else. This is the only thing I give a shit about. Then I'm going to tear you down. You know, that was kind of, I think subconsciously maybe what was going on with me. Uh, Cause I was very toxic at that age. So I think that, um, yeah, I love this sort of stuff. Bringing people more awareness towards this topic. So this, this is great. Yeah, it's interesting. Yours came out with toxic for everyone else, but because I've I've never been toxic in league ever, mm. but I've been really harsh and critical of myself. Yeah, yours too, more to internal. extreme. Yeah, mm. right. So I'll like really be like, okay, you know, like what the fuck, and you know, all this. So well, your standards of yourself. Well, I think the way I mean, I'm gonna do some backseat psychology right, of you. I'm here right here, Curtis. Where like you were really good at wow. And your standards of get you as a gamer, like that was your identity. You were the gamer, Absolutely. right? Like you had no other real, I, it's I cool, right? That like you yeah. were all in on the gamer identity <laughs> and not just a gamer, a, a, a an amazing gamer, like an elite gamer. And especially the, the, the group of people that you were around, that crowd of people that you were around in, wow, the elitist, you know, uh, gladiators. gladiators, whatever, um, PVP and wow, you were, you had this image of yourself of, of, of like, a gamer that you wanted to be, you aspired to be, and anything less than that was just unacceptable. That's also why when you saw me get high elo in, in league, that motivated you because it's like, well, fuck, I got to get high elo in league. I got to be that 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 elite gamer. And then when you started rising, you're like, again, it's like fueled that ego, fueled that self interview. And so when you started to drop, and when you kind of revisit, when I came back, it's yeah. like, holy shit, yeah. I am nowhere near that. And then it took you ages to really to battle reconcile that, yeah. that, you know, yeah, well, that's my journey. Right. So again, I was, you know, I, cause I was, I was pretty smooth sailing because remember I never actually had to really push and challenge myself to the next level. Cause I quit as a pro player. Mm. Right. So, cause think about it in the span of a year, season three, you know, start playing the game. Cause you motivate me. I start playing league, bam, rank two challenger, top of challenge. And I was top of challenger for season three, season four, and then, yeah, then I, I stopped playing, right? I, I quit mm. to run Diables full-time. So I was always just that, just so a that beast. was like your, That was where, like, you never left that pedestal. I never left that pedestal. Mentally, yeah. like, mentally. Yeah. I even remember, even I think in Diables back in the day, years after that, yeah. you still in your mind had oh, this course. chip on your shoulder where you're like, yeah. I am 
Rippy, I am this... I had a saying that I got memed by the team and the players because I kept saying, I can get rank on whenever I want. Yeah. Right? No, but you believe saying, that. I believe that. Yeah. You believe that. Believe it wasn't that. From, the, from the outside looking in. Yeah. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? But you actually believe that. So then five, six years go past, or five years go past, you know, come back to the game around, you know, season nine, and then I'm struggling in Platinum. Like, and and that would have been the mental biggest Yeah. I mean, again, I didn't have mental... I mean, I, I guess I did have mental <laughs> breakdowns for sure. But, like, that was the, the huge... Idea. I had to rebuild myself. And that's where process and the, this, the, everything we yeah, talk about here... Yeah, everything really... I had, to, I had to break the game down to its fucking foundations, eh? And, and did to do a lot of inner work there. Yeah. That was a brutal journey. From season nine, just getting back to Challenger was the... It's actually the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. By far, Getting sure. back to Challenger after coming back from that break... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's basically unheard of, of to do what you've done. I don't think I actually have met someone that has done that, that has been that accomplished and then actually gone all the way down and, and then, then actually genuinely... There's no one you can really think about. Like, I, not though, we know it. Quit. Maybe yeah. it happened. Yeah. Maybe they, usually you see two things. They either quit for good or they just come back and they never, they never get back. Yeah. Getting back would be so, 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 so hard. That was the hardest thing. Again, for a whole year... I was in... But was it was hard Emerald. as a skill, but it was. I don't think it was hard for you emotionally. Like, yeah, it was emotional. Because you, yeah. you couldn't even review. No, I couldn't. Like, you couldn't even look at your own gameplay. No. Like, that's the hard That's the hard thing, yeah. right? I remember you saying, like, you couldn't even review. No. You couldn't accept reality. You actually couldn't accept the reality that you were in. Well, my, my narrative was, I just need to play more to get back to my old skill level. And then hundreds of games went past and Thousands. nothing was changed. Thousands. Because, <laughs> yeah, the whole season nine... I was in Platinum, Diamond mm. 4. And then the next season, I was in Diamond 4 most of the season. And then then I got the Tomas and then I rocketed to Challenger. Then I, again, even when I got to Challenger, I went back down to Master for a long time. And it was just, just, just was Such a big journey. journey for you, man. Yep. But that's, again, everything that I teach and we teach is a lot of that's from my ex- own experience. I've gone through those fucking expectations and, yeah. and had to rebuild and yeah. my, shift my mindset. And that's what we realized. It had to be... There's so much more to this than this getting better at the game, yeah. right? There's just so much more to it. Because we felt it. So it's funny. Your toxicity came out. Everyone yeah, else, outwards, my toxicity was inwards. inwards. Yeah. And everyone like... And, and that's what I'm saying. There's so many different things here. Like the, everyone listening to this, they need to do some introspection. Where did your come from? Right? Was it, expe- was it because of expectations on yourself? External expectations people put on you? Directing inwards, outwards? The list goes on. It can be from anything and you just got to be honest with yourself, you know? Summon to school? Yep. Summon to school time. Let's get it. All right. Today's post comes from Populipo. The title of this one is most educational league content isn't actually that useful. This seems very targeted at us here, Curtis. To start off, I have a lot of respect for a lot of the educational creators out there who are doing a lot of work trying to teach people the game. The reason why most of it is not actually that useful for a regular player is simply the difference in skill. People simply don't understand how large the skill gap between an average player and a challenger player is. The jump from master to challenger alone is comparable to the gap between a silver player and a master tier player. To give an example, I've been watching Alois unranked to master videos, and while the concepts and ideas he teaches are very good, the games themselves are not a realistic look at how these concepts can be utilized by an actual player stuck in those lower ranks. 
Challenger players have so many advantages that add up, such as champ mastery, matchup knowledge, spacing, threat assessment, cooldown tracking, jungle tracking, and the list goes on and on. In my opinion, the only educational content that actually has applicable use are live coaching sessions, where you have a high ELO player explain the decisions and why certain things are good in certain situations, but everything is executed by a player in that actual skill bracket. It gives an honest look at how a game can look when you ha- you make the correct decisions but don't have the massive amounts of subconscious experience of a challenger player. It also gives a more realistic look at how uh, pushing a lead or recovering from a bad play looks like when you don't have thousands upon thousands of muscle memory and experience to fall back on. Again, I think these content creators teach good concepts, but I don't believe showing high ELO players playing low ELO is a good way of showcasing those concepts in a realistic way that is applicable to most players. So this post got 200 um, uh, upvotes and 130 comments, lots of comments. Top comment here, Curtis, is, yeah, Coach, Coach Curtis did a video on this after he did his Challenger in Bronze video. The amount a Challenger player is tracking compared to even a Diamond player is incredible. So even if they play with bad mechanics or something, it doesn't matter just due to the vast game knowledge and experience they have. Yeah, I I, I fucked up on that. I made that mistake. And this is why I never did it since. I, I, I really agree with this post. Specifically, the whole unranked, the whole smurfing. This is... Look, I, I I love Alois. I think he's actually a really smart guy. I think he's a great coach. I did an interview with him on my on my channel. I think he knows his shit. He has a very good outlook on the game in terms of like fundamental approach. But the whole unranked challenge or whatever the hell it is, it's just useless. Anything to do with a higher ELO player playing in a lower ELO bracket is just garbage. It's useless. No matter how good your intentions are, no matter how much you try to dumb it down, it doesn't work. And he hit the nail on the head. It's because of the thousands of hours of muscle memory all of the little things you're doing without even realizing. And I even tricked myself. I genuinely tricked myself. I even did it. I remember I tried to play dumb, not interact, not use flash. Even then, I'm like dodging every skill shot, nah. perfect range yeah. assessment, perfect tethering. Yeah. Like I'm doing you it, knew that using you fog of war. Yeah. Like I know where they're going to... Like it's like I'm, I'm, I'm operating on such a high level. I can't even stop myself from you doing can't it. stop it. Intuitively, yeah. it just... My hands take control. It's like, how could you not do this? You know, like... But I can't, I can't compare, because I, I know what the enemy are going to do before they even do it every time, because their movements are so obvious, they're thinking so low, low level. I, I haven't watched Alois's, Alois's um, thing, so I can't comment exactly what he's doing, but I can get a pretty good picture of it where like, you know, he'd be dodging, he'd be sp- beautifully spacing and tethering, he'd be knowing how to jungle track, knowing when to place wards, not messing up, face checking things. Like everything would just be smooth. It would just it would just be it would just look clean. And that changes the game. That that actually changes the entire outlook of the game. Just one person doing that well is it goes back to the to the world series, right? Yeah. Zeus. The Zeus. Changes the, the entire dynamic of the game. This everything everyone's starved on the map. The jungler's not getting free kills for top lane. Uh, the jungler going there's the mid lane is roaming and he's dodging roams and stuff like the amount of how unrealistic that is for the mental stack of like even that player is is just unbelievable like yeah it's yep. realistic yeah so I think um, it's well said and and look at the end of the day it needs to come from the people watching the content like like I can say this we can say this we've I've been vocal about it I've made a video on the goddamn topic it doesn't matter it needs to come from because the only reason guys that these content creators are making these videos is because you guys are watching it. 
if everyone said, Alois, this is useless, this is not helpful, it's not realistic, then he wouldn't make it, right? There's people out there that actually say this is helpful when in reality it's not. They think that it's helpful and they think, and then look, they might be learning a thing here or there, but again, it's not an effective way to teach. I think there's much better ways. Like, like, he's, like he said, live coaching. Live coaching is gen- a trillion times better. Yeah, I mean, I, I do live coaching three hours every day, Curtis. Again, the unrealistic part of it is that still unrealistic. They have a very free mental stack. I'm telling them exactly where everyone is. Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to re- take back. My, I don't think a trillion times better. It's yeah. definitely better because, again, like I said, they they're are the playing, one executing Mexico, it. Mexico, it's yeah. their tethering. It's yeah. their spacing. It's their fighting. You're not telling them how to fight. You do your whole take the hands off the keyboard bullshit, mm. right? Mm. You're not playing the game. Like they are. That that whole micro aspect of the game and, and knowing damage output and that's that's them. on them. It's probably, that's again, on them. So live coach goes probably like unranked in the master and then like live coach is like the next sort of step yeah. and then sort of like you know learning from watching high elo vods just looking at specific like how their fighting right. is very helpful for the actual person. Maybe a high elo player explaining. Comparing, obviously, reviewing is obviously the, the main one that we mm. do, right? Which is literally looking at your VOD and then applying the fundamentals of principles and showing you how you stuff this up here. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the the tricky thing. So, um, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And this needs to be said more from the the community who are watching this content. That's straight up. Anything else you would say? And that wraps up that one, Curtis. Beautiful. Let's move on to Curtis's clips. Guys, let's get into the details. And welcome, everyone, to Curtis's Clip Corner. All right, so I'm not Curtis, but I'm taking over. You've stolen the show. I've stolen the show. So I, I stole your intro today. Mm. So you stole, stole the clip. But you handballed it back to me. I'm not handballing it back to okay. you. Actually, no. Funny is, I actually am handballing <laughs> okay. it back to you. because All right. We're, we're, this is a mid lane. Okay. This is about mid lane. So, uh, today's clip here is a live coaching session I did in my stream. We're going to look at this VOD from the enemy talent's perspective. Okay. Right? And I think this is really important to highlight for a couple of lessons, a couple of key learnings here, Curtis. Um, understanding these type of champions, talent, the roaming get into their psychology. I talked a lot on stream, like understand the psychology of this talent, learning from his mistakes. Cause the talent, his roams here are, you know, I'm excited to get your opinion on mm. this and just, just general knowledge. You're just getting people to just, you know, listen to this podcast. How do these type of champs, how do you deal with them? And what does bad gameplay look like? But also from talent's perspective, this rigid, the rigid mindset in League of Legends of this is my champion. Apparently, everyone, I just got to roam, 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 or my champion only does this, so I have to do this, so I lose the game. So, what we're going to do here, Curtis, I want everyone watching to be looking at the minimap this entire time, because obviously, we're looking at Jarvan's perspective here, because I'm live coaching the Jarvan here. This is a Platinum 4. It's actually, it's not a Platinum 4. This is a mistake. It's actually Emerald 3 on EU NE. So, let's look at the talent here. So, for context for people on Spotify, we're about 5 minutes and 20 seconds in the game. What does that mean, Curtis? From a mid lane perspective. 5 minutes 20. Well, what does that mean? We're getting close to the 5 minute 30 wave and Champions got level 6 on 5 minutes and 30 I don't, I don't know any... You don't know the timers? No, no timers. Really? I, everything's feel. Wow. I've been very vocal about that. Wow, that's... Shit. Jesus. Okay, that's something I talk about in my coaching. I say... Uh, a simple one is Fizz... 
be aware of the wave at five minutes and 30 seconds, Fisgus level six, and it all ends every day. Yeah, I have no idea. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so that's so funny. Get us, get us the Teach best, me some mid lane. best mid lane coach <laughs> in the world, and I know the mid lane time I've is level never, six. I've never thought of the game ever in terms of timers. It's it's very general, though. Because right. what if you miss XP Yes, and stuff? that's right. It is general, but in general, in general. The, the wave that comes at five minutes and 30 seconds is when they hit level six. So Talon's going to hit level six. Okay. That's what I think. By the to. way, I think that's in, knowledge for a jungler, not a mid laner. Because as a mid laner, you're always going to know when you're going to get That's right. Because yeah. you're looking at your it's, XP it's, bar. That's right. Yeah. You're, you're correct. So I think that's why I've never yeah. ever felt no, that. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. I think it makes sense. All right. So let's look at the minimap the whole time. All right. So everyone, look at look at Talon. Look at Talon. He's laying against a Zerath, by the way. All right. All right. So Talon is just pushing mid wave. He's doing his. He's, Mate, he's can you go back? Where did he go? Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, he shoved him mid bot. He's moving bot. All right. So. Look at the wave state right now. What's going on bot? Mm-hmm. So what would Talon's mindset be here? The only thing he'll be doing bot here is counter ganking. Is he can't or is he going to help the, help the wave get situation in? Is. I don't know if he's reset before. I don't ah, know what his resources are. Ah, that's such a good point. I have no Curtis, idea. Curtis is very smooth in the details. I actually have no idea, Curtis. Right. Honestly, he hasn't given okay. We have no idea. Anyway, so we're just hitting our camps, hitting our camps. So Talon has gone for a big roam. He hasn't showed a long time. Okay. All right. He hasn't showed for a long time. Look, Zerath has just got a free mid push here, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm sort of saying is like Talon must be going back media, surely, right? Like mm. this is a long, long, long time being bot. Mm. He's even as well as even pinging missing bot, and then we actually look for a gank here. Talon shows up. Talon jumps in, instantly burns an ult on the full HP Jarvan with flash yep. up. Useless. Bit of a disaster, right? So mid lane, uh, Talon fail roam number one. All right, he's got nothing from this. Zerath yeah, actually... this is really terrible. Wait, did can we go back? I'm just, I'm just going to go look? back. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's all the way back. Remember, everyone, look at the minimap permanently, by the way. It's very important. So Curtis is just looking at the minimap. What are you looking for? Well, what I'm looking for is that he was so long. Did he actually just insta-recall and then come, come straight out of base? Oh, that's a good off? point. He could have, yeah. Because I think that's what he did. Because if he shows here, look, yeah. at, look at his HP yeah. and mana. Yeah. I think he actually... Because what talents do do is that they come straight out of base and run bot. Yeah. Like, that is the thing that they do. Again, the rigid sort of mindset. That's the strategy that he must so have. So I, I don't know what his situation is. All I'm saying is that this is a terrible roam. This is game losing. It's end of review level stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, just bad. All right. Just really bad. So that's number one. Yep. So we recall. So again, everyone look at the minimap. Look he, at he, mid. Lost a, he lost a lot of XP. He lost yeah. a lot for Everyone that. look at mid. So Shen thinks, okay, look at mid Talon again, guys. Talon's back in mid lane right now. Yep. All right. looks like he's sort of, Zerath's actually not letting him get pushed in because mm-hmm. Zerath's pretty strong, I think, at this point. You know, if I'm, I'll be very happy if I'm a Zerath. I'm actually telling the Jarvan here that your mindset is to protect those Zerath right now. That's actually the mindset more so. So Zerath is sort of just poking him on the towel a little bit. So Talon actually hasn't roamed yet. Okay, here we go. Let's go back. I want to see exactly what we see. So what do we see exactly? Go back even further. Go back even further. Okay, so you, you just legit in between the waves. It looks like he catches that wave and then he, he so he's, dips bot side. Yep, again. so he's ditching this next wave, it looks like. He's looking for a roam. All right. By the way, one thing I will say, yeah. like what a mid laner can do sometimes. Mm. Let's say, for example, you're getting bullied in lane, right? What you can do to elicit a response from the enemy midlander, you can like hover out of vision. You may not even intend to roam, but you might sit here and be like, okay. Because think about it, right? If when you're playing a mage versus an assassin, what you want to do to maximize bullying potential is you want to slow build, right? Because then you can trap them. So you don't want to hard shove because if you hard shove, you're just playing ping pong with the wave. You're just going to shove it in. They're just going to catch it and then they can actually roam. So what a lot of good players like, you know, assassins will do, they'll hover out of vision 
And then and then the Zerath in that situation was like, do I do I is he roaming? Do I have to hard off? And then they hard off, and then they just pop back out and then they catch the wave. Oh. So you don't actually know, but yeah, I mean, it depends on the quality of play. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Right, Continue so on. Talon's going for his next roam here. So this is a little bit of a better yeah, one. Yeah, this one's a little bit better. It looks like they were shoving up and heavy trading. Yeah, but unfortunately, the Brawn Lucian's full HP. Yep. And Rakan, I think, was also level five as well. Mm, mm. All right, so they're trading a lot of kills so, back and forth, right? So, so Talon just died there on that <laughs> roam. So he died. lost a lot. He's going to lose like two and a half ways mid, probably. Losing probably two plates. Second roam fail. He's just done. Yeah. Yeah, he's we'll, out. We'll go for one more. Okay. All right. Because obviously the interview has already happened many times for him. Yeah. All right. So again, everyone look at the mini map. Sort of just speeding through it. Okay. Now he's he getting solo killed by Zara. <laughs> exactly. Right. right that's the consequences so. of his actions. So by the way, he's he's ruined the game for he's his entire team. By yeah. the way, not only he's out of that yep. game, but Zareth is out of control. The game is completely over. Yep. Right. Um. Again, I don't even know if we have to show another one. But let's just do another one anyway, because maybe he's in a <laughs> hail and merry mode. So we got the solo kill by Zareth. Um, actually, I think he's just stuck. Sorry, he's just stuck under mid the rest yeah, of this game. Yeah, he can't roam. Yep, wouldn't there's get no more rooms. There's no more rooms anymore. And yeah, that's just too far yep. ahead. Okay, so again, just want to sort of demonstrate mm. there. Mm. Uh, not getting into the details there. And forcing that rigid play. So remember, he forced it twice, right? That roam. Sees Jarvan. I'm going to blow everything on him. Gets nothing for it because Jarvan has everything up his full HP, right? And then the second time going, he's Rakan's level five. He's against a level six Lucian Braum. They get two, they literally Lucian Braum two V3s, the Talon and his team, because again, it's just a horrible roam. And again, I was explaining to everyone on the stream, this is what, this is how easily assassins can ruin games. You need to be hyper aware of this as a mindset. This is what they're doing. And yeah, just just learning from him and from the talent perspective. Yeah, I do think it's important. I do think that that is a really good point because people don't understand how bad it is to fail a roam like that. That's right. People think that roaming is like no punishment. Yeah, side laners in general, they think, oh my god, they're roaming so much, and like they'll complain about their mid laner and like, what are you doing in mid? But if they're if you're if you're wasting a mid laner's time and you burn their ultimate, it's huge. If it's an RE or whatever, a Katarina, it's the same shit. Right? It's even more so with talent. It's so funny you say this because the clip that I was going to bring mm. was literally talking about the same thing, which is being rigid in your reference points. Uh, that was my one. Yes. So my one was actually very similar. Where it's like where I feel like what you'll see with a lot of players is they have they have like this idea. We talk about reference points with the champion, right? So it's like okay, our champ loves to do this. Get to lost chapter. Get to forty sacks with your syndrome passive. Like do these tick these boxes essentially. What you'll see with players though is they six they stick to them really rigidly. Where it's like, there's a fight in the river, but but I'm not at my lost chapter yet. I, I shouldn't, be, that's not what my champ wants. I shouldn't go. But because they've got that like black and white view of the game, they completely miss opportunities such as, oh, I could have just hovered there, helped my team with a stun and then went back mid and maybe even picked up a kill or whatever. Like that's not even in the realm of possibility. You got to be comfortable with the idea of like, okay, well, my champion prefers to do this. So my champ does my champ does like to do this, but doesn't mean I'm always going to have the ability to do that. I need to be aware of my environment and adapt to what's happening and be like water. So that's actually yeah was what my point. I do want to say this as a bit of a tangent here, which is important. I feel like the assassin role is massively misunderstood in general. Mm. So like there's this idea that assassins don't scale. This is what you see. This is typically with lower elo assassin players. It's like I have to get shit done. Oh my god, I'm versing an ace or a flat. I mean, that's what or... this talent right now. He's he's going to this game and he's like, I'm versus zero. Zero's going to outscale me. I need to go yeah. top to bot and every alt top I to bot. To, top I to can't bot. sit here farming 
I don't know if that's going to come up in the edit. Yeah, anyway. The camera just did an absolute flip and switch for the viewers. That <laughs> is the craziest thing. We don't understand what just thing. happened. We just had some tech issues. All right. Um, Go on, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, people think in that the champs don't scale. And that's the biggest, like, kind of 180 in mindset you need to have as an assassin player. And I used to have that back in the day. You Okay, so the way it works is that people think, again, that low elo mindset. If I slam my, my... If we come in front to back... We're all on mid. I have my damage. You have your damage. I'm not even going to be able to hit you. Outrange me, whatever. They're not thinking in terms of, oh, when I go to the side lane and a two-item talent with nine CS per minute, that Zereth can't play the game, right? Mid-game as a Zereth into a two-item talent with nine CS per minute is a fucking nightmare. What am I going to do? Talon's just going to be able to flank in teamfights, use Fog of War, shove and move, terrain scaling is a pain in the ass. Ta- talent scales amazingly. A lot of the assassins scale amazingly. They scale beautifully at three, spike hardcore at three, four items. But you never, if you don't have that mindset, you'll never even be in that situation. Like a Zed, we know how scary a Zed is that gets to two items unscathed. So scary. Nine CS minutes, yep. terrifying. Yep. Um, so yeah, that is just an observation. That's typically what you see from these players. They, they panic. They feel like they have to do something. No, you don't. Relax. Get to two or three items and wait for opportunity. And that, that is the mindset of an assassin. It is about being opportunistic. You need to obviously try and create scenarios with good resets, but it's about if the, if the play presents itself, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You've got to be okay with that. It's a hard thing to learn. Yep. So I think this is a great example. That's what I love doing on my live stream as well. I love demonstrating the mistakes of the enemy and showing how the games have become so easy for us as the Jarvan. <laughs> you just, you can look at the camera, the camera. It's done it a couple more times, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. If that happens in the on the stream, on this recording, it'd be so funny. God, Curtis. We maybe we need we need a new camera there, honestly. I don't people have been we're, calling for it. We're running low, Curtis, on resources here. <laughs> We've used people don't realize that on this podcast. <laughs> We've had the same setup for three years. Basically. I think we've got some new lights. We've got some new lights. People can't tell, but we've got some new lights. <laughs> well, no, you can tell if you go, you go back to the earlier yeah, episode. Yeah, the old lights. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, <laughs> we've changed the setup, but the tech behind it is Think the about same. what we started we're on a goddamn couch, dude. Yeah. And at least we've got chairs now. Yeah. I think these chairs are pretty cool. They're more comfortable. The couch, I was struggling with my back on the couch because we had to like lean that way, but it couldn't... <laughs> We've had some good thing. All right, anyways, that's it for Curtis. Yeah. Clips, Curtis, all right? All right good on. learnings. Mailbag, away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. All righty then. Our first question here comes from Moldy. 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 Do you know a Moldy? Moldy. I don't believe that's his real life. <laughs> so he's in game name. <laughs> Moldy Mike. Moldy Mike. Uh, hey guys, first off, just want to say thanks for an awesome podcast. I've been listening for just under six months and it's completely changed my relationship with the game and the way I view league overall for the better. It went from something to have anxiety over playing with an addictive play one more kind of mentality to the competitive outlet I was always telling myself it was before taking it seriously. All that aside, here's what I'm writing in about today. You guys talk about reference points for champions fairly frequently, but I've never heard the term anywhere else. In general, I get you, the idea is similar to that old Dopa Reddit post about league concepts. 
It seems to me that you need a decent level of champ mastery to develop them for yourself on a given champion, and that they might differ from person to person in terms of how they play that champion. So my question for you is, can you give us a toolkit or explain the process of developing and discovering these reference points on a specific champion? It's an excellent question. Awesome question. Excellent question. I'm just going to speak from my experience. Yeah. Um, so basically what I do is I throw a lot of shit at a wall with the champion. And then I, I, I feel what's good and bad. And then I test some more. And then I, um, basically it's through just feel and what, what leads to success and what doesn't lead to success. And then I test those with those mindset and with those reference points. And it's just kind of like basically what leads to success in my experience. You've talked about it before. You stress test. You go from one extreme to the other. You play only kills and then play hardcore scaling. I try to feel out every possible variation you could play league. Exactly. Does this. So basically if you play a hundred champ, like a hundred, you know, I'm going to speak again for us. A hundred games is different for, I think a lot of other people right? hundred games is a lot of games for us, mm. right? Even 50 games is a lot of games for us with yeah. high intensity, yeah. right? Given our knowledge with the game, I will play a champion many different ways. I'll play fast with aggressive runes. I'll play slow with scaling runes. I'll do a combination of both. I will try differing wave states. I will try holding waves, shoving waves, I'll try roaming. I will try, I'll try everything. And this is actually what I do. I straight up try everything. And it's actually intuitive because I'm just genuinely curious. I'm like, I don't know what this is going to feel. I need, I actually, it's on a need to know basis. I need to know what my champion does with this item. And I need to know what it doesn't do with this item. I need to know, do I, is this a champ where I need to feel like I have a lot of farm? Do I, do I need to get the ball rolling? Do I not need to get the ball rolling? I need. I actually, just for my own peace of mind, to feel comfortable with the champion, I can't play a champ knowing that there would be a better way to play it. I kind of yeah. need to know yeah. what it feels like. And that's how my intuition kind of yeah. grows. So I just try a bunch of shit. Like I, I throw a, sh- a bunch of shit at a wall. And then based off my what's led to me having success on the, on like the over the majority of games, even upon my reflection... You know what I mean? Like I'll reflect back and be like, oh yeah, that like that's what's happening in my games. That's how it's been panning out. That's what's felt good in general. That hasn't been felt good in general. And then from there, I start to develop my reference points. I guess what we're doing here as well is where we have a champion. We have a bunch of questions we need answers yeah. to. So I'm just trying to think about, okay, what items do I feel strongest on? Yep. Uh, how useful is my ultimate? Is it that important for my champion fights? And all abilities, actually. All abilities, yeah. How useful is my E in fights? Like, I really need to think about this. I mean, a great example is I just got a Jarvan guide on EQ theory. The reference point is hidden EQ, and we have I've six different categories of different ways you can think about hitting your EQ in different sort of situations. Um, at what points in the game? Like level spikes, you know, like reference points around at great ones, the normal one, Zach. Zach is needs to get level four, it's important because he increases his range on his E versus level three Zach E is really bad ganks. And same with like level seven and level nine when you have like a lot more points in your E and you get max out on that. So uh, what are some other questions? So like, I want to, I want to, I want to, um, I think it's important to note that there's not many variations of reference points. Yeah, there's it's not like many. It's like items, right? there's yeah, levels. I'm trying to think items, levels. And then there's like, um, 
I guess, like, the way they like to fight, like, mm. the mindset. You mm. can really summarize that as mindset. Like, basic, like, what are this? Does it have mobility? Does it not have mobility? Does it like to dive? Does it not like to dive? Like, what is its role in a team fight? You you're know very I mean? limited. There's only a couple you're, of identities You're really limited. League, you can right? either dive, peel, or kind of Be front a facilitator. to back, facilitate. There's not many things. We kind of, like, if you go through, it's basically very similar. with it. And, and even the archetype itself, you already kind of know roughly what it's going to be like if i'm playing uh huay the new champion right huawei i don't even know how to pronounce it by the way <laughs> it's like a phone right yeah, but is that a phone company it's huawei <laughs> huawei yeah it so that's a phone company yeah no but it's, it's the real name's huay huay okay got it um it's it's like okay it has no mobility it has range it has a lot of damage okay well it's you know what i mean it's it's not like this person's gonna want to dive the back line or you know a lot of the time do some crazy flanks you know what i mean like you can already get a pretty rough gauge it's gonna probably need some levels or, or maybe not like maybe it is a lane bully but based off the amount of utility in the kit i highly doubt it's gonna be a lane bully or whatever so like i think that you can based off your experiences with other champions it's like the way I actually, I played way in a practice all this morning. The way my mind works is I just pull like, oh, this is like Karma Q. Oh, that's like Vex Q. Things, yeah. And I just like plug and play. I'm like, oh, okay. That's how Vex interacts. Oh, that's how Karma is. Oh, interesting. And I'm just basically pulling information from all of my experiences with all the other mid champs. And that creates my feeling or my intuition about what this champion is going to be. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a messy, we don't, I'll be honest. It's not structured at all. It's just, mm. Again, that's why I said throw a bunch of shit at the wall. It's based off our experiences playing many other champions and drawing conclusions like that. But if you were to simplify, Nathan, I think you hit this down the head. Levels, items, basic mindset, champ, basic champs, um, identity, strength, what are its strengths and weaknesses? And then from that, you can kind of roughly infer what it wants to do. I would say that's the best way to go about it. All right. Our next question here comes from... Don't know how to pronounce it. Beata? Beata? The title of this email is Regarding Enchanters, Women, and Yumi. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. I thought the discussion about women and the support role was interesting and wanted to share my thoughts. For context, we did a segment in our last episode talking about the support uh, position and whether learning the game from a support position is good or not. And we've noticed that girls like to gravitate towards the specifically enchanted sort of style of supports. So if you want to get back context, you can go back in that last episode. I want to start off by saying that these are my personal thoughts and experiences, and I realize everyone's experience is different. I played League way back when I was 14, 15, probably season four and five. Back then, I only played Lulu, Sona, Nami, and maybe some Lux. I had a long break and around two years ago, I started playing again and also introduced my boyfriend to the game. I wanted to mention him because he is living proof that the process works. He was placed iron when he started playing ranked. This split, he peaked Emerald 1 and he is a student in the MLA. Plays 3box and reviews. Anyways, most girls I know that play League or other MOBAs mostly play support and I've thought a lot about why. One reason I think is because of the aesthetic of Enchanted Supports. I think for some people it doesn't matter, especially really high ELO players and pros. But for a lot of us, especially in the beginning and when we're young, we pick champs that resonates with us emotionally and aesthetically. 
Leagues are fantasy and you can be whoever you want. On the riff, and I think that a lot of women, not all of course, would rather be like Sona or Jana compared to Olaf. I always I always bring it I always can't remember can't get out of my head, Curtis, when Expetu talked about how he like ran around like his house as like a ninja like as a kid and stuff and he gravitated towards Shen, you know? Mm. So that's definitely very real for sure. Second, I think more girls are recruited by their partners. And before getting into this, of course, a lot of women will find the game on their own. And of course, not everyone is heterosexual. Am I pronouncing that right? Heterosexual. But I still think this might be relevant. So when a girl starts playing with her boyfriend, a lot of the time he has a group of friends that have been playing for a long time. And of course, she will not be on their level of play since she is a beginner. But she still wants to play League, and the role you can pick to minimize ruining the game is Enchanter support. You can just sit back, not get killed, and buff your fed teammates. And then you just get stuck there, because you never learn how to farm. Also, women tend to be more agreeable, and since support is rather uh, impopular, she might agree to play that role in a five stack to make everyone happy, even if she wanted to try another role. One more of my theories is that playing Enchanter comes more naturally to women. This might be controversial, but it might hold some truth. In my country, at least, women are overrepresented in professions like elderly care and childcare. Why wouldn't women be overrepresented in the most caring role in league? In my experience, I find that when I save someone with Lulu Alt or by CCing and the enemy just in time, it gives me such a rush. It really excites me. I don't see that when my boyfriend plays Enchanters. Of course, this is uh, anecdotal, but I want to share it nonetheless. If this, if this would be true, you could discuss if we are primed to feel this way by society or if it's biological, I don't know. Now, the downside of learning League by playing Enchanters, in my experience, this might be different for everyone. Once again, I'm useless at farming and really bad at 1v1s. When I play casually with my friends and try another role, I get a feeling similar to ranked anxiety. Another downside for me is that I got used to playing with a defensive mindset, never making decisions, always following my team. This is fine in normals, but when I started actually playing ranked this split, I realized that my teammates doesn't always know what the best play is either, but I made myself believe that they have more of a say in decision-making if they play some cool bruiser or assassin. Of course, you can be a support and be the shot caller, but it took a long time for me to realize because the role in its nature is a lot about tending to your teammates. It can force you into a serving and submissive mindset. For me, this led to always second-guessing myself and overcompensating a lot. I still struggle with this, even if I am aware of it. I still play support, but I switched to Leona. I found that playing her forces me into actually making decisions, committing to them, and then learn from them. I also have an easier time limit testing and learning when I have an aggressive mindset instead of a defensive one, which Leona forces me to have. Playing her gives me such an adrenaline adrenaline rush because I'm not used to being the one diving into the enemy team and forcing them to react to me. But it's a different kind of rush than when I save someone with a shield. It makes me feel more selfish and powerful and I find it hires my morale and focuses me. Uh, lastly, I want to say a few words about Yumi. When I started playing again, I played a lot with people who were way better than me and Yumi was the only champ I could pick because I would go 0-10 otherwise. It's really, really fun to play Yumi when you're 3045 sitting on some Diamond Wukong, stomping noobs, pressing E and R once in a while, but it completely messed up the game for me. I would feel anxiety every time I played another champ because I felt so vulnerable. I could literally feel my heartbeat faster when I locked in something else. 
Yumi really is like hard drugs for beginners. You get addicted to playing her and you can't stop because every time you try to play something else, you get shit on. Playing Yumi also gives you the feeling of being in the middle of the action because you're often sitting on the one who makes the most flashy plays, which is exciting. But at the end of, at the, end of the day, if you're not the one who is making the sick plays, sadly... Um, oh, sorry, but at the end of the day, you're not the one who's making the sick plays, sadly. I will tell myself, next game, I will pick something else. Over and over again, but I wouldn't, even when I was bored of playing her, because everyone capped me so hard mechanically, so I knew I would make the game much harder for my team. When I made a new account to switch servers, I promised myself not to buy her, because I knew if I did, that was all I was going to play. Once again, this is not true for all players, pros and high elos especially, but for someone learning the game, I think it's worth considering. Finally, when she got reworked, I stopped playing her, and I've never looked back. But still, it's so many months of playing Yumi that I'll never get back. That's probably one of the most well-written emails we've ever had. Yep. It's an amazing email. Very thoughtful. So thoughtful, so well-written, and just so insightful. Curtis, I always say, we've got the smartest we do. viewer base, That's listener base. amazing audience. Yep. Bloody hell. I don't know where to start. There's so many things there. I mean, I, I love this email because it touched... It touches on things that I think we we just don't have any idea about, you know. And I think there's so many interesting topics there about, you know, the the uh, the dynamic of being, you know, recruited into the game by your boyfriend. I mean, and again, not saying that's for every woman in the game; they can definitely find the game on their own. But in her situation, I do think that is a, a relatively common dynamic where the the woman is kind of, or the girl in this case is, yeah, recruited into the friendship group. It's like, all right, let's put her on support. You know, and she's like, oh, she, you know, she even says like she kind of enjoys the supportive role, mm. maybe again, potentially because of that agreeableness. And again, ref- referring to the whole um, uh, more women in, in her country in um, age care and, and, and child care. So I think there's a lot of interesting things. I, I don't think this is what I want to talk about. I just thought it was interesting and requires a lot more. I don't even want to open that can of worms. I think it's not what this podcast is about, but I think it's interesting nonetheless. Um I think what I the major thing that I take away from that podcast, I mean that email though, Nathan, is that the the thing about the Leona. I thought that was really interesting. How imagine if all of the for some whatever reason, imagine if all of the enchanted champions, like the the aesthetic of like a Jana. Imagine if Jana had like you got sent in the tornado and you just jumped into the team and did something crazy. You know what I mean? Imagine if all the, those champions that had that aesthetic actually had like were actually engages yeah how would that change the dynamic of the female player base you know how would it have changed this a great question you know because for her it's like well when she played leona it gave her that feeling of like she's the one making the play she's not being reactive she's the one being proactive and i think that's what the support role that's what i'm afraid of the most when i hear people specifically girls who play yumi or Nami, locks, whatever. Lulu, I'm not saying yeah. you can't be proactive with them, but intuitively, the way the kits are designed is defensive. It's defensive always, mindset. Yeah. It's like I stand back behind, I cast an ability from a distance, I'm no damage, utility, shielding, healing, supportive. Whereas with Leona, you're diving in, you're getting that CC and you're jumping into the middle of the fight. You have to be in very intentional about your engage windows and i think there's something yeah, there you can't just like sit back and no like like yeah even if 
again, you know, she does have a really good point again. It's like, you know, you don't want to ruin the game for everyone. And Leona can ruin the game yeah. when he engages, right? So it's, again, it's not going to be really incentivized. But, but I, I really dislike that about the view of support. Like support is such a misunderstood role yeah. in the lower, especially in the lower ELO community. Mm. And we know, and I think Cupcake, you know, is a, is a massive proponent of this where, where Cupcake knows how impactful support is. And we know when we play with Cupcake, Cupcake just carries the game. Like a good support. I mean, when Ayla comes to Ose and just plays in in, in Ose with uh, us and, you know, he just dominates. Mm. It just feels like the game's different. The game is so hard to win, no matter how good you are at your role. Mm. If there's a great support, it changes the game. But again, the whole narrative is that support is the weaker role. can't carry. Less impact, can't carry. But again, it's just a misunderstood role. So like, I think that... um, there's a, very, there's a, I guess a, and I guess that's the nature of the role. You can still win the game by being missing opportunities because of the, the amount of utility inside the kit. You can still offer help by, you know, not necessarily missing roam windows and all this other shit, you know, it's just a very complicated role in a more nuanced way. It's complicated, not in the sense that it's like, it's not obviously complicated. It's depth. It's so it's, so again, the shallow, floor very very high ceiling skill ceiling mm. that's what it is mm. specifically yep so anyone can come in and play support and and you know do stuff and be impactful but there is it the skill ceiling of support is through it's through the roof it's so high you know um but i guess that skill ceiling is really disrespected and and, and actually untapped because think about it right when you play these champions you have this feeling of I'm doing work, I'm being impactful. So you're not really incentivized to push the envelope. And this is where me and Cupcake, I feel like I kind of disagree. And I see where Cupcake's coming from because I know Cupcake has this take of, you know, support is a great role to learn and there's so much depth there and there's you can push your limits, you can do all this stuff. And I totally, you can do that, but it's not intuitive to do that. Exactly right. Yeah. You're, not, you're, not, you're not naturally incentivized to do those things. Mm. Whereas on another role, you are naturally incentivized to do yeah, those things. Really, because the way the role, the, the, the champ pushes you in that yeah. direction. Yeah. If you think about large sample size, especially the pool of champions yeah. with support, you're going to sometimes sneak into that pool. I, even if you're the top tier players. At the end of the day, you know, Cupcake has had to learn how to play Enchanted and stuff, right? That, But you can probably get away with a bit more of like just never going down that, you know, you never yeah. have to play Galio Mir. You right. never have to. No, never you have know? to. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, and and I think our concern as well was more the mindset rather than the skill set, I would That's say. Right, yeah. It's the mindset. And then even she referred to it in that, that email, right? Where it's like, I had this defensive sit back I can't kill anyone. I can't kill anyone. And and how how toxic was the mentality she ended up developing, which was everyone else was right, right? That's terrifying to me. Mm. It's like if someone that's going to take ages to unwrap. Imagine yeah. undoing that. How yeah. hard that would be to undo. It's like if them if if they're playing the champion, they automatically kind of have some sort of like advantage or more knowledge than you, just because of the nature of the champ that they're playing. they can kill people because they can kill people, yeah. and I can't. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Imagine the narratives that I mean, she would have had to, the loopholes or all the fucking mental baggage that she would have had to undo. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, I think the email's very insightful. Uh, lots of things I didn't think about. I love getting these, you know, these emails from this is there and this is what their experience and stuff. Because a lot of these things that she mentioned, like, you know, that I would never think no. of. Great analogy as well of Yumi being a hard drug. And I never thought yeah. of it that way, but I could see it being a, you're locked in. Once you're to Yumi, because you're playing, Yumi's the only extreme. You're playing not even Rule League Legends at all, because no other champ is like Yumi. 
that you're just like too scared to dive into anything else because that's how you've been playing the game. Yumi is straight up fucking heroin yeah. for like <laughs> yeah. for that role. But I will say this, this is an interesting tangent. Yeah. I feel like there are hard drugs in every role. You think so? There are the hard drugs yeah, of jungle drugs, and there's yeah. the hard drugs of mid. Yeah. Straight up, Zareth is like a fucking heroine of, of mid. Really? Because that champion, you don't learn a lot about the game. Straight up. I'm just going to say, I want to be not beat around the bush. That champion is so addictive because you can do, you can just be so non-interactive. You can be so sloppy around the edges. There's so much about the game you don't have to learn to be impactful. You just got to like, and again, I think I went down that rabbit hole when I first started. Like, if I just hit my skill shots, I can be bad at everything else. But if I just hit my skill shots, I'm going to do a lot of damage. And, and I, I can wave clear. I don't have to worry about getting dove and all that's that sort it. of stuff. Yeah. That's straight up. Like, it's Would you say it's Xerath? Uh, or is it like Ziggs as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah, those, like those sorts of champions. Yeah. Ziggs is a little less because Ziggs is like... It's just nowhere near the range. Yeah, the range is just, is just and, busted. Xerath uh, R, damage, and the yeah. R is just out of control. Like, yeah. and, the, and, and also, um, Ziggs has way more like utility like the w and the e don't do that much damage whereas zareth is w and q just does a shit ton of damage and the zareth w is like so easy to hit you know and, and zareth i mean and ziggs's abilities are hard to hit you have to use the minions to kind of get the away on the splash damage mm-hmm. on the q to actually hit shit mm-hmm. whereas in zareth it's like you just throw this w it gets a slow and i'm not saying the q is easy to hit but it's a lot easier to hit than a, a ziggs q so my point being is that yeah it's on that scale that's like maybe like cigarettes but like uh zareth is like you know I don't Heroin. know, cocaine or yeah. whatever it is, you know. Uh, yeah, for, for jungle, jungle, I'm sure that would exist yeah, as well, right? Like, champs like Master Yi, Shivana, like the champs with no CC, no utility, and they're like full clear, yeah. can't gank. They just have to full clear, no interaction. You get rewarded yep. for just AFK farming jungle, like not reading the map, not reading waves, none of that. That's the worst. Yeah. It teaches you nothing about Curtis jungle. has a pet peeve. I hate that. Curtis hates I absolutely guys. hate that. They don't have to do a single gank and they can get rewarded from it. Wait for the enemy team to make the mistakes, get three items, win the game. And so I think that 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 mailbag, just to really summarize that, I think that email raises more questions than it answers mm. in the sense that I think it's really, you know, Pandora's box there. You've really opened Pandora's box. And I think hopefully that inspires other uh, women who, um, who've had maybe their experiences to share that with us. I think that'd be really interesting to get more insight. People have had more experiences, done more research about this sort of thing to, to kind of enlighten Nathan and I here. About that topic. So thank you. Um, who was it? What was the name? I didn't know how to pronounce it. And it's like B-E-A-T-A. B-E-A-T-A. Thank you for writing. That was awesome. Really, really good. All right. Our next one here comes from uh, Zach. This is a bit of a short one. Progress update. We love hearing some updates from our listeners. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. Uh, Zach here. And I wanted to update you guys on my progress. I wrote in a while ago on how I went from Masters to D4 in a week. And overall, the start of the split didn't look uh, I would make look like I would make any progress and was sitting in Diamond 4 to Emerald for a few months. I started to think back to something I think Curtis said, which was accepting your level of play. I was living in the past so much, I didn't fully understand where I was as a player. I started to gently get... Sorry, I started to get into the details and took reviewing a lot more seriously. I realized that reviewing before my block was way more useful for my learning objectives. Something I also didn't know was reviewing before a block removes that bias that we all have after we finish a game. Around a month ago, you guys had a podcast episode with a vain player who got challenger on 50 blocks. 
I took this as an opportunity to try to see how far I could get if I continue to stick with the process. Currently, I've played 30 blocks and went from Emerald 2 to Diamond 2. My goal is to play 100 three-game blocks, and I just wanted to thank you guys for getting me back on track and figuring out how to improve again. Shout out to Nathan's Jungle Stream, being super helpful on support for understanding tempo better. That's awesome. Love to hear it. He said right now also he's 47 blocks in of his 100 blocks that he's looking to do. Accepting level play, Curtis. It's really important, you know. And at the end of the day, especially it's really difficult for those players that, again, have peaked. You're down a lot. Again, some of the narrows that I said when I was trying to get back to, you know, was didn't I, when I didn't accept my level of play, just need to play more, just need to play, just need to play better. That's actually what they say. I just need to play better and I'll get back to my rank. <laughs> but you're just in that, you are that skill level. You can't, that is, you need to figure out how to improve. You're, there's no such thing as I'm just going to, just more focused, I'm going to play better. That's your level what's the skill. whole, what's the thing, like the definition of insanity? It's like doing the same thing, yeah. expecting different results. Exactly right. Right. And I think that that's really, that sums that mindset in a nutshell, you know, sums up in a nutshell. And I think that if you're doing the same, you're just playing, playing, doing, you know, the same shit, you're not going to get any results. You got to change something, right? And that's where the process comes into play. It helps you at least learn shit, get things from your games. Yeah, it's just crazy how, how structure just relieves all the mental baggage, nothing. Yeah. Just it. I'm playing 53 game blocks. Let's see where I'm at. See what happens. Rather than being like, I one day I could play 10 it games, ruin, 7 it, it games. It gets rid of all the expectations. Yeah. Just do it. See what happens. Mm. Who knows? Mm. Could be a fucking waste of time. Could get nowhere. Could go backwards. But like, at least then you're like, you have no idea. At least you're, you're removing expectations. All right. So we'll do one more here, Curtis. This one's from Mitchell. The title of this email is, did I find discipline or is it an end of season luck? Is it from Scootin' and Tootin'? That's his name. Um, <laughs> uh, hello, Nathan and Curtis. I've been tuning into your podcast for almost a year now, and I know that I can uh, value your opinions and thoughts more than most here. That's cool to know. I've been playing since season three and have always been a ranked player. For season three, I had started playing ranked right towards the end of the season and only ended in bronze. At the time, I didn't care because A, I was a new player, and B, I was simply having fun with it. Prime example, my main was pre-reworked Karma. Um, anyways, going to Season 4, I peaked Bronze 1 and consistently stayed there, still not really worried about rank. Season 5, however, is when I finally started, when I finally settled in. I found support to be my favorite role. My first true main of a champ mm, wasn't... My first true main of a champ uh, wasn't a meme like Karma, it was Nami. Using her, I finally hit silver in season five and then gold season six. Now that I was taking it seriously, I was progressing at a pace I was happy with. Now that I was playing champions to their identity and sucked to a role, I thought for sure I would progress at least a tier per season, probably capping somewhere around diamond within a few years. However, the complete opposite happened. I seemed to hit a brick wall reinforced with steel behind it. Um, and an only ha and only a hand to try and punch through. After a few years, I switched to mid play mostly Nico with some Aurelian Soul and Talia on the side. I spent years in gold until season thirteen when the rank changes came and I got to platinum. Yes, I understand MMR wise I was still gold and the same rank technically. 
after years of seeing a gold border, simply seeing the platinum border gave me a whole new flame. And I started really getting into the details and getting coaching from the same person a few times. At first it worked. And for the first few weeks, I was rocking a crazy win rate of about 67%, averaging about net positive 30 wins at least. I got right to plat one. However, I would always lose the game that mattered. That pesky emerald promotion game. Eventually, the same wall started building and suddenly I couldn't buy a $1 win with a million dollars. I ended up almost 30 losses down and being hard stuck platinum four. I became hopeless again. Even though at this point I was one trick in Talia and playing well during the laning phase, there was still a clear lack of fundamentals and missing pieces that wasn't allowing me to translate my early game leads into mid and late game, causing me to still lose a lot of them. I once again started listening to your podcast through and really made the narratives of uh, cut the bullshit and champion identity stick to me. And in the last month, something drastic has happened. I stopped playing exclusively Talia, locking in other champions uncomfortable with when Talia is just a horrible choice in the matchup. I also played far more into her identity, respecting how weak my early game is instead of going for every trade because I feel like I have the knowledge of the champ, causing me to sometimes throw my lane. I paid a lot more attention to wave management, switched to TP instead of Ignite, and started side laning far more often. With these changes, I started seeing far more success and winning more games. I, however, was still not ranking up due to the already butchered win rate. Last but not least, the point I'm getting to, I don't know if I unlock something else in my brain that I've been missing this entire time because suddenly I'm winning using these methods a lot. So much in fact, I fixed my win rate after being almost 30 losses down to a positive win rate and I finally achieved Emerald. I would say that I've been far less harsh on myself and want to know, do you guys think me being kinder to myself and embracing my mistakes instead of telling myself I suck after every loss or two was the last piece of the puzzle and it's all I needed because this is the first time I actually am confident and that I can hit diamonds since the last time I ranked up a tier more than seven seasons ago. Hmm. I mean, this... There's a lot going on there, right? There's so a lot. So it's hard to say. I think there's so many variables at play. You've got you've shifted your your game plan with Talia, which in my opinion, from the outside in, um, sounds very good, right? Because Talia, I hate Ignite on Talia. That makes no sense. I view it as a scaling type champion. Well, right? okay. There's a European challenger OTP yeah. in Odysseus, and he plays it like a madman. Oh, really? He's the highest rated Talia player. Whoa. Okay. But it's a very high skill cat way of playing the yeah. champion and like a lot of people get baited in and i i just completely i just disagree with that way of playing yeah. talia yeah i don't play i don't even play like that way no. um and there are many other great talia players that don't play that way central for example doesn't even play that way and he's challenged he's like 1.1 lp or 1.2 klp and eu i mean na challenger so the, the, he bait that odysseus guy he baits a lot of people in play, to play electrocute ignite play super aggressive if you're below master, you shouldn't even be remotely thinking about that. So I like that you're playing TP, slowing it down, scale, get to side lane, whatever. So I think that was a huge contributing factor. The other interesting thing I heard was he stopped only playing Talia. That's actually huge. I I, I, I am a massive, and I've been talking about this in my below plat program, like champion mastery is very important and it is the bedrock of the game. But 
I feel like it's very easy to lose your mind only playing one champion. Especially the same rank, the same thing for long. It's like the same yeah. thing, doing the same thing over and over again. Just, just even just weaving in a game or two mm. every now and then of something else can just be what you need to refresh your perspective over the game and just get out of your head for a second. So I think that's a really big positive thing that you did. That I think that alone can be massive. And then the other thing you said was... Um, you yeah like you said you started being kinder to yourself and you know uh probably things click so it's like it's like four or five things potentially all together mm. so i think it's very difficult for us to pinpoint what exactly happened and what was the thing that put you over the edge i don't even think it matters to know i i think that is again nathan you're good at saying this it's just not a great question i think what you can take away from this experience uh sco scoot Scruton and Tootin. <laughs> I think what you can take away from it is um, that all of these things are important. Having some diversity and not really just blindly picking the same champ over and over again, mixing up sometimes, weaving in some other champs every now and then. Being kind to yourself, giving yourself permission to fail, being okay with the idea of, okay, I'm going to make mistakes and you're going to lose some games, but you're going you're gonna to learn things and you can take away things. And I think... Um, the other thing was, yeah, sometimes it does, t you, you got to try something different in terms of your, your play style. You know, if you're doing, doing the same thing all the time, try something different a little bit every now and then. So I think all of these things are positive and they all are important in your journey. Mm. Um, yeah, that would be my two cents. One thing I think as well, you know how we talk about everything clicking, like these are really long-term players. They've seen a lot. They know how, they pretty much know what every champ does. They've been playing, been playing for, you know, 10 years or whatever it was, right? Like season three and he's been trying to get the same rank, you know? I find that these players, things can click. I mean, it's funny because it's like that meme of like the gold mine, you know, the one it's like, like it's like the gambler meme. It's like just, you know, he's so close to the game. one more. Just one more, right? Yeah. Just one more season, right? Yeah. But I mean, league and building the muscle memory and stuff. It's very just, real. It's just one thing versus, you know, as you said, those other four things, you know, play the game for a long time. Bam, the game's the clarity is sort of sitting. It's like, ah, oh, that's the way it works. Ah, well, using your gold mine exa example, it could be you've been hitting it this way, but then you hit it from a different angle. And then like, holy shit, it, it opens it up. You know <laughs> is, what that, I mean? is that good? I no, know. no, because because you've got a bunch of learning behind you. No, what I'm saying is that you've done so much. You've done, you've hit it from one spot for so long. You've done a lot of damage, but you yeah. need the, the killing blow is just, you know okay. what I mean? Like all, it's, all that incremental thing you've done is built it up to the point where the final hit from another direction just, you know, works. I think that's all a bad analogy. It is a shit analogy. My analogy <laughs> is, is that because again, he's learned thing, like a lot of things on the way. So like, right. let's say he's been mining down this thing and he's like found like old tools and stuff like that. He's never used those tools properly. Right. And he's gone to the end. He's, now he's like, he's like, oh, maybe I should try this one here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's picked up stuff on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus like, that's again, the gambler thing. It's like, let's just do this thing and then I'm going to make this big <laughs> buck. I'm going to buy all these tickets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, I feel like he's, he's, he has gained things along the way. For sure. So, yeah, to answer this question, obviously the title of the email was, um, what was it? Again? What it was, is it that really? Did I find discipline or is it end of season luck? I don't, it doesn't sound like luck to me at all. No. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's anything to do with luck here. I think things have, you've changed. That's it. You changed it and things got your results. Simple as that. Own, own it. Mm. Enjoy it. Be proud of yourself. Don't but, overthink it, dude. Yeah, don't overthink. You did a great job. You did things. They worked. Great. You take lessons there. And then you try, you keep going on, you try other things, you get new lessons. It's just, life's about experiences, right? You, you do things, you get, you take learnings. Again, I'm going to refer back to Ray Dalio's gem analogy. You have an experience, you try something, you get feedback, 
whether it's positive or negative, you, regardless, you get a learning, you get a gem. Congratulations. You connect, you collect enough of these gems and you'll progress to the next level and then rinse, repeat. That's all we're doing here. So it sounds like you've done some great stuff, man. Keep it up. Keep scooting and tooting. Keep scooting and tooting. All right, that's it for our episode today, Curtis. <laughs> yep. Uh, good work. Keep on improving, guys. Yep. Three blocking process. And we'll see you next week.